Amen. Let's take our Bible. Turn over to the book of Psalm chapter 119. I hope you're reading Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24 each day. And uh, boy, I tell you, as we're preparing and planning for our uh, revival services, or at least our services with Brother uh, Moon, I hope you're preparing, readying yourself, just trying to get yourself in that spiritual mindset. Again, we want God to do something on those few days that we have Him with us, and Again, it seems that that uh, particular meeting always seems to kind of kick things off as we uh, enter into our promotion or our campaign right after that normally, and we will again. Uh, just uh, It'll be Easter and then right into our campaign after that week of Easter. And boy, I'll tell you what, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do as the weather breaks again. We get into spring, have opportunities to knock doors and reach out to our community again uh, uh, to a greater degree. The weather does have a tendency to hamper that uh, mission a little bit, and it seems that we get a little bit uh, uh, kind of, I guess, bogged down in the snow and the ice and everything that's going on. So we look forward to that break in the weather, and boy, we can begin to hit it even harder than ever. Looking forward to that. So be praying again, and be preparing by reading the Word every week, every day, Psalm chapter 24. And then the following week, we're going to start uh, not only uh, reading, but we're going to start uh, praying specifically for the meetings, okay? So anyway, a number of things going on there. Looking forward to that. Now, we sing a course uh, in Sunday school called the B-I-B-L-E. I don't know if you know it, but you probably do. Uh, most of the folks, when we go down to what, well, what we call a nursing home, I don't know what they call it anymore, where we go down every week. And there, there might be literally, uh, not every week, but every month we go down as a staff. And there's probably down there uh, anywhere from 15 to 25 folks that will gather on a given day and and uh, we'll get up there and we'll start singing all the old courses. And one of them we do is the B-I-B-L-E. You'd be amazed how these older folks, and some not so old even, will just get fired up. And when we get to that Bible part, they scream out Bible. So let's do that right now, okay? Because we're going to talk about the Bible today. All right? Let's do it. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. That wasn't that good. We got more Bible in us than that. Come on now. We got to treat you just like the kids in the Sunday school class. Come on now. You can do better than that. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of, get ready, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. Hey, now we're talking. Oh, don't, not that loud. I just saw some of the ceiling tiles start to loosen up. <clears throat> wow, wonderful. We got a Bible today. And I mean, it's God's word. What a wonderful truth today as we have the privilege in America to hold a Bible in our hand and Boy, I'll tell you what, we can rely on its accuracy and we can trust its author and what a wonderful book we have. In the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 60, there we read a tremendous passage. It says, Thy word is true from the beginning. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Well, I'll tell you what, we got a Bible right here that says right here, it's true from the beginning. I mean, every jot and tittle, every single verse, every single line, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. What a wonderful truth. It is true from the beginning, and every one of its righteous judgments endureth forever. If you'd look back in verse 89, the Bible makes this statement. It says, forever, O Lord. 
Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Man, the word is settled in heaven. I mean, to tell you, listen, long before it ever hit the earth, it was already settled in heaven. That means one day when you arrive on heaven's shore, you say, I'm not sure what I'm going to run into. I don't know who I'm going to meet. I'm not sure how it's going to work. But we know we're going to meet the Lord Jesus face to face. But we also know we're going to meet and see the Word. Right there it's going to be. It's been settled in heaven. Let me tell you, in the Word up in heaven, there's a Word and it's settled. We know Christ is the Word. We understand that. But I'm going to tell you what I believe today. That book right there is as solid as it's ever going to be. It's just as secure as it's ever been. And it's going to be there in heaven one day. And I'll tell you, when we're all judged one day, as we're going to see in a few moments, that's the book that will be opened if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. Uh, Let me tell you something. This book's settled in heaven. You'll find it there if you look. And God's allowed us to have His love letter on earth. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Turn there if you would. Sometimes there's the big debate on as to whether or not we truly have the Word of God today. You want to know why there's a big debate? Some will say, well, we believe that the Word of God was given by inspiration. And we're confident that it was really without error back then when it was written. But through the ages and through the years, there's no way in the world that the Bible could be complete as it was or errorless or infallible or without error. And you know what? That, that, I get it. I understand that. But here's what the Word of God says in Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, that was a long time ago. That was before the New Testament was even written. That was written. The fact is, is that he's talking about even those Old Testament scriptures. And here's the interesting thing. He says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. He doesn't say that the pastors through the years will keep them or the people of God will keep them. He doesn't say that some organization or institution will keep them. What he says is that thou will keep them. I mean, this is his book. This is God's word. And he's the one responsible to keep it pure. He's the one responsible to keep it without error. And the Bible says that not only was that Bible uh, inspired, but that Bible right there is preserved. So if it was ever, ever, ever without error, if it, it was at any point ever perfect, it's still perfect through preservation. And I'm telling you, it is. And so thank God that we have this book, the Word of God today. So this is the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's the bestseller for years. It's still on the top of the charts. It's amazing that even though they tell us that nobody wants to hear about the Word of God, it's still a bestseller. It's amazing, isn't it? It's one of the most popular books of all time. So what is the Word of God exactly? I mean, what is it? Well, this this afternoon or evening, I want to share just four things that the Word of God is. Real basic today, real simple. Things you might already have nailed down, I don't know, but we can always be reminded and it's always encouraging to be reminded of this book, the Word of God, that we carry and that we apply to our lives. So today, this evening, I want to share with you just four things that the Word of God is. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. May you bless us and help us today. May our hearts be encouraged as we are reminded again that your Word is all sufficient, that it is everything we need to navigate life and to make it safely onto your shore. We love you, Lord. We need you tonight. Father, we look forward to these baptisms. And for, Father, just the, the, just the, the representation that it is, the, the fact that you died for us, was buried and rose again, and we died with you and rose to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Father, for just what we're going to see tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
First of all, what is the Word of God? Well, it's the revelation of God. It's the revelation of God. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. There we find a fellow by the name of John, of course. And, of course, he's been exiled to the island of Patmos, and now he's going to go ahead and the Lord's going to give him, uh, some, uh, the, give him something for us today. Notice right off the bat, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. This particular book is identified right off the bat as the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly, shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Boy, I tell you what, you read through that book and all you do is you, you're being reminded of him. You're being told of him. You're seeing glimpses of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it ends in a place where Jesus is exalted and, and magnified and put above all else. We see here the passage in the book of Revelation that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And may I say that the word of God itself is a revelation of Jesus Christ, really. I mean, not only does it say that there, but we inter- it's interesting to note in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 39, it says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You don't go anywhere in the Word of God without finding Christ somewhere. I mean, if he's in there, he's throughout the Word of God. And again, I understand that there are certain passages that are written specifically to us, others for us, and all of that. I get it. I understand it. But I'm telling you, when you get into that book, whether you're in the Old or you're in the New Testament, it doesn't matter. You're going to find Jesus Christ in that book right there. Why is this book so precious to you and I today? Because it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Because every time I pick it up, every time I hold it in my hand, I've got the living God of heaven in my hand. Jesus Christ. That word reveals the mind of God. Think about that for a minute. You say, I wonder what God thinks about this. I wonder what God thinks about that. I wonder what God thinks about me. There it is, right there. You can find it. This is His revelation, yes, but it's also His mind. You'll find His mind there. You'll understand what He's thinking. You'll know what He wants and what He means and everything else. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Again, we understood and we already kind of quoted it to some degree, but it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Right off the bat, he says that this Scripture, this book that you hold in your hand, is given by inspiration of God. You know what he's saying? It's God wrote. It's God written. This is not some... some man did not come up with this. Some woman did not create this in their mind and put it on paper. This isn't some, some book that was, or novel that was created or made through time. No, this is God's Word. It's an eternal book because He's an eternal God. And this book right here is none other than, none other than revealing the mind of God to us. And I'll tell you what, you, you say, well, how do you know? Because God wrote it. It's His Word. It's His Word. The scriptures are God-breathed. That's what that inspiration means. God-breathed. That means that's His Word. He put it into writing. He used those apostles and He penned His words and put them on paper. This is God's revelation to mankind. This book that we hold in our hand today, we take it so lightly and sometimes we fail to get into it. We fail to study it and read it and memorize it. But may I say today, this is the mind of God. This is the revelation of God. The Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. Turn there if you would please. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. 
How is, how, how is it possible? And, and I know it's been true in my life at times that, that we, we neglect the Word to some degree, that we don't love it the way we should or we don't apply it the way we ought to. But even more alarming is that sometimes we don't even pick it up like we ought to. How sad is that? When we consider what this is and who it is, how can we not love the Word of God and say we love Jesus Christ? We can't, can we? Look at what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I mean, these, this, this writer here is telling us, listen, it wasn't some cunningly devised fable. This wasn't some story that we heard or that we've come up with. He says, listen, he, he says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well to take, to, to, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Now, what's the Bible say in the book of John? Men love what? Darkness. Men love darkness. They don't like the light. The world is represented by darkness. And yet here in this particular passage, he says, We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. He says, listen, if you would be wise, it would behoove you to take this book and make it a real integral part of your life because it's going to light your way in a dark world. How dare we dismiss the Word of God, lay it down, have nothing to do with it, and then think God is obligated to care for us and meet our needs and guide us through this life in which we live. May I say to you today, He's given us the Word of God with an express purpose to guide you, to direct you, and to lead you, as we'll soon see again in just a moment. And may I say to lay it down, not pick it up, not memorize it, and not take it into our soul, is to simply say, I don't care what you want, I don't care what you think, and I'm just going to go my own way, and I'll just go ahead and take the consequences for it. You don't think God's going to reward, God will not reward you by disobeying the book. And you cannot follow, follow the Word of God or obey it unless you know what it is. Neither can I. We have neglected His Word so many times. May God help us to love it like we ought to every time we turn around. I commend you, if you're in the Word, if you're taking heed, you're following its, the Scriptures, you're obeying the Word of God, good for you. Keep it up. Let me say this, though. You can't just take half of it. You, you can't just take half of it. <coughs> I'll choke you up. <coughs> Man, that's bad. <coughs> Went down the wrong pipe. You can't just take half the word, okay? You can't drink half of it in and think it's going to do the work that it's supposed to do. There, that's a little better. I didn't want you to have to endure that with me there. Hmm. That's pretty good. All right. 
<clears throat> so it isn't good enough to just take the Word of God and what portion of it you appreciate, what portion of it you like. You've got to take it all in. You've got to heed it all. You've got to obey every aspect of it. Or you don't get the result of it. It's God's revelation. It's the revelation of God. He goes on to simply say that we also have a more sure word of prophecy, verse 19, wherein to ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Whoa, that word's a light in a dark place. Unto the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. No one has a right to interpret the Scripture as they see it fit. It interprets itself. You interpret Scripture with Scripture. It's not of any private interpretation. I, I get, isn't, <clears throat> listen, I get it, I understand this. But we have to be careful. You know, the idea that, well, that's what you say the Word of God means. That's what you think it means. That's how you, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> define the Scripture. That's your opinion. You know what? Everybody in the room has an opinion. And if you're basing what you believe the Scriptures to say and mean based on what you believe them to say and mean, then, my friend, you're dead wrong. I'm dead wrong if I do that. We've got to back it with Scripture, because the Bible is its own best commentary. <clears throat> you tell me a word means something, we've got to, kind of, we've got to find the, the, the definition in the Scriptures. You tell me that a verse is implying something, then let's find out why that is. In context, how does it fit? Where does it fit? How do we support that Scripture? You just can't say, this one verse is what I live my life on. Well, that's good, but it better be in you know, conjunction with and in, in harmony with the rest of the Word of God. Hey, this scripture right here is the revelation of God. So what you hold in your hand today is the revelation of God. God speaking to you and God speaking to me and God revealing His heart to you and I. God revealing His mind to you. What's God think about my present situation? What's God think about my marriage? What's God think about my family? What's God think about my country? What's God think about my attitude right now? Let's find out what he says. It's right there. It's all there. The revelation of God, the mind of God. Number two, not only is the word of God the revelation of God, but it is the record of the gospel. It's the record of the gospel. You know, it's often said, and if not said, it's implied all roads lead to Rome. You know, people will say that. Well, all roads lead to Rome, right? I mean, so basically what they're really saying is when it comes to the gospel, you know, you know, every, whether it's whatever religion it might be, whatever belief it might be, they all end up in the same place in the end. One may go to the right, the other to the left. One may take a straight course. The other may take kind of a jagged or rounded course. Either way, they all end up in the same place. May I say it doesn't work that way? That's not what the Bible teaches. The truth is that you can never get that idea from the Bible. You'll never get that idea from the Bible. Look, if you will, in just a couple verses. All right, over on this side right here. All of you, look at John 14, 6. Everybody in the middle, look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Everybody on this side, turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. So we got this group over here, John 14, 6. This group, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And this group, Acts 4, 12. <clears throat> Now, here we go. Ready? Now, many of you can probably quote this verse in John 14, 6. What's he say? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
I don't know about you, but in this section, as you read that passage and as you view it in your Bible, does it seem to you that there's a lot of other options on how to get to heaven? Doesn't seem that way to me. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That doesn't seem like a bunch of roads leading the same place. Then we see Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in the middle section. All right? Who will read that for me? That will stand up and really blast out. Yeah, Brother Joaquin. Lift it up loud, brother. Wow. There you go. It's by grace that we're saved. Through faith. Not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. I don't know about you again, but he's being pretty specific. It's, it's this, this grace through faith. Doesn't sound like you can just choose any, any means by which you choose to travel. You've got to go his way again. We see over in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Okay, go ahead brother, read it up. Stand up and read it loud. I don't know. Things don't seem to be getting any broader here. They just keep getting more narrow. Neither is there salvation any other, any other. Well, you know what? I, I think Confucius, or I think Mohammed, or I think this, or I think that. And I think if you just are sincere in your faith, no matter who you believe in, that'll be okay. He doesn't say that in the Bible. The Word of God says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. <clears throat> A man says, I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? No. Then you can't be saved. You can't be saved. There's none other name. Now listen, I don't, there are a lot of people who believe in God. The Bible says the devils believe in God and tremble. Over in the book of James, chapter 2. You've got to understand Jesus is placing all of this. We have to put our personal faith and trust in Him. He died for mankind. He shed His precious blood. His body was broken. At Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of any, any religious leader they choose shall be saved. It doesn't say that at all. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. I'm telling you, the, this is the record of the gospel. You want to know how to, how to get saved? You want to know how to get to heaven? You want to know how to get your sins addressed and dealt with? you got to get in the Word of God. There's going to be seven folks getting baptized tonight, to my knowledge, unless something went wrong. Maybe there's eight. I'm not sure. But either way, there's going to be a number of them. And I'm going to tell you something, that every single one of them that trusted Christ had to get there the same way, through Him. Nobody's going to get there any other way, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, And you know what? You know where you find that? In the record. The record of the gospel. It's found in the Word of God. It's found in the Word of God. Again, the Bible reveals God's person and it, it records his way of redemption. And, you know, whether a man or woman believes it to be true or not really doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe the Bible's true. It won't change anything about that. It's still true. And I just don't believe there's just, that you've got to get to heaven one way. And I don't believe that there's a God in heaven. I don't believe we're going to be judged for our works. I don't believe this is going to happen. One day. Well, if you don't get saved, you'll be judged for your works in the last day. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, God addresses this issue. He knew that this was going to be said throughout the ages. 
He understood there would be people who say, well, I don't believe it, so you know what? That's what you believe. You go ahead and believe what you want. Well, does that mean it's not true because they don't believe in it? <clears throat> what, look what God said. He used this, the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, to say these words. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Wow. Let God be true, but every man a liar. He said, listen, does it matter if some don't believe? No, their unbelief doesn't make the faith of God without effect. It's still going to go down, just like God said. That's why we have to reason together. That's why we have to compel men and women to come to Christ. That's why we have to beg them if necessary. We do whatever it takes to get them to come to Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't matter. If they just don't believe, it doesn't matter how good a person they are. It doesn't matter how benevolent they've been. It doesn't matter how many people love them. It won't be enough because there's still only one way. And you know how I know that? This record found in the gospel in the Word of God. Not only that, not only is the Word of God the revelation of God, the record of God, but the Word of God is the reward of the godly. It's the reward of the godly. Look, if you would, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 8. Psalm 19, verse 8. It's the reward of the godly. Now, again, maybe I was making that a little too simple because in the end, let me say this, you're going to realize that the Word of God in and of itself really isn't rewarding. It's when you apply it. So I better clarify that just a little bit, all right? So here, watch what I mean by that in Psalm chapter 19, verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Wow, is there a message in that verse alone? My, oh my, think about that. I mean, more to be desired are they than gold. Oh, wait a second. Oh, that's right. Yea, than fine gold. Then much fine gold. Every time I turn around, there's more to it. Every time I realize this, there's this, pre- this book is more precious than ever. Wait a second. What is it that you've given up in the Word for something else on earth? What have we substituted for this book in our own lives? You know, we work so many long hours, we don't have time to read the Word and study the Word and to memorize Scripture. We're so tied up with our wives and our families and all of our responsibilities, it just doesn't get it done. What's he say in the passage here? Pretty simple, isn't it? He says, more to be desired are they, this book, this word, than much fine gold. He's setting a priority for us. What should be the priority in our life? What should be more precious to us than the word of God? Doesn't sound like a whole lot to me. Now, I'm not saying, somebody's going, well, he's telling us to neglect our families, and you're telling us to neglect. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. 
But that's what some people hear when you talk like this. That's not being very, that's not being very honest with you or me or anybody else right now if you thought that for a minute. The Bible's very clear. If this book, sir, in your life is not more important than anything else you're holding in your hand, I'm telling you something. You've got a problem. You're never going to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. You won't. You won't get it. Well, I want the joy of the Lord. Well, you're not going to get it through your family. You're not going to get it through your job. You're not going to get it through a pat on the back by somebody from friend or family member. You're going to get it when you get right with God and in His Word and understand exactly what He wants for you. And you heed that book. You follow that book. You love that book. And you cherish that book. The world has so dumbed down Christianity. Because the world's in our churches. We believe somehow that God is obligated as some old grandpa with a white hair and a white beard that he's supposed to love us and just throw candy at us all the time. I mean, that's kind of the mentality that God has today. <clears throat> he's, that, he's that old grandpa that just always spoiling you. But I'm telling you, that's not how it is. See, God has more, more at stake here and God has more... Um, he has a greater purpose for you than just that you feel good and that I feel good. There's a battle raging here. <clears throat> and he's telling us today, you want rewarded as a believer? Here's your reward. Get in the book and apply its truths. And he goes on to say simply this. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. You say, I want rewarded. I want God to reward me. Get in his word. And then heed his warnings. And apply His truths and you will be rewarded. That's how it works. The reward of the godly. See, the Word of God provides direction. That's some good reward right there. Have you ever needed direction in your life? I have. I need it all the time. Every, all the decisions that we have to make in this life. Man, I need God to tell me what to do. I need God to, to point me in the right direction. I need God to lead me and guide me and show me where I need to go, what I need to do. Well, God provides direction. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, you know the verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Man, it's lighting the way, showing me which way to travel, which way to go, what direction to go. Why? Because I'm so prone in this flesh to get off course. Man, this word here. This book, the Bible, moreover, by them is thy servant warned. By this thing, we're warned. And in keeping of them, there's great reward. This is the reward of the godly. He gives you direction. That's a reward. The Word of God provides protection. It protection. In Psalm 19, 111, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Someone says, I'm struggling with a sin in my life. Memorize Scripture. Memorize some Scripture. Preacher, what should I do about this sin? I just can't get over it. Memorize some Scripture. I'm really struggling. I'm trying to go to church, and, I, and I'm always going to Sunday school. What can I do about this sin? Memorize some Scripture. That's a good place to start. Why? Because thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The Word of God is constantly warning me, and the Holy Spirit is taking that truth and it's just driving it home in my life. And even when I'm bent on doing the wrong thing, that Scripture comes to my mind and continues to 
just drive home that truth. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I may do that. But if that scripture's in my heart, I've got to fight it. But if it's not there, there's nothing to fight. And my, like I've always told you, as long as you're still warring, you're still in the battle. <laughs> as long as you haven't given up and thrown your hands in the air. As long as when you're doing things that you know are wrong and God's convicting you of it, then you're still all right. As long as you're having a problem with it, going, I hate it. I can't stand that I keep getting whipped by this thing. I can't stand that I'm being defeated by this sin. I hate that. Guess what? You're doing all right. You just keep at it. Don't quit now. Get some more scripture. Dig in a little bit. Get closer to God. Tell God what your concern is, what your problem is. And if it's something that's got you bound and you're, you got a vice in your life that you can't shake, maybe you need to share it with somebody that you trust. Maybe you even need to share it with your preacher. The Word of God provides direction. The Word of God provides protection. You know what? The Word of God provides inspection. Turn to James chapter 1, verse 23. One of the dangers of getting out of the habit of being in the Word of God is that you're not examining yourselves. I mean, have you ever gone into your house and <clears throat> you looked at the mirror and you saw a problem and you fixed that problem, right? You, you tidy it up. You, your hairs are out of place. I said, notice I said hairs. Your hairs are out of place. <laughs> in my case. <laughs> And you see something that needs fixed, or you got you happen to get a, a blob like my wife's always loving on me, giving me big kisses, and I got some lipstick on my no, I'm teasing. But anyway, so anyway, I, she does give me big smooches. But anyway, she doesn't wear a lot of lipstick. But anyway, so so I see this, and I got to go out of the house, you know, and and I don't want people to to see that, you know. So I'm in front of the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna clean this up. Got to comb my hair. I got to straighten my glasses. Oh, my ties are crooked. Let me tell you something. When I've been away from that mirror a while, I'm not even aware of my hair sometimes. Most of you are going, yeah, because we're not either. <laughs> you mean you have it? <laughs> yeah, I got some hair here. It's got to be right, though. It's got to be combed just right, right? You got as little as I got. It's got to all be in the right place or it don't look right at all. Some of you young guys, you know, <laughs> you can't get me. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, one day you'll see. Some of you guys will be as bald as a cue uh, uh, ball. And you'll be like, I remember the day when I had some long hair. And you won't have it then. You'll be looking in the mirror and going, who is that? <clears throat> but either way, you still got to straighten your tie and you still got to take care of this and that. And you know what? The longer you're away from that mirror, the less you're aware of your deficiencies. You come out and your tie's crooked when you get back to the mirror at some, sometime that night. Or you walk into a restroom at a, at, a, at a restaurant or something. And you go, oh man, that tie's been crooked. I wonder how long it's been crooked. And man, my hair's all out of place. And, and my, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong. I mean, I... You know what the Word of God is? It's a mirror. It's a mirror. Look what it says here in the book of... Look what it says in James 1, verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. We could just say that was a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
I mean, this guy here, he hears the word, but he doesn't do the word. It's like he's looked in the mirror and he said, yeah, I know that there's a problem here, but I'm just going to go my way and act like it never happened. And I'm not even aware of it any longer. I'm going to tell you something as a believer, when you get into the word of God, it'll begin to reveal some flaws in your life, flaws in your spirit, flaws in your human makeup. You begin to see areas that need to be addressed and dealt with. And you know what? Every time you go to that word, God's going, hey, listen, that needs cleaned up. And hey, that needs tightened up. And hey, that needs corrected. And that needs straightened out. And you are in a position to grow. But when you lay this book down and you don't have anything to do with it, pretty much, you never see yourself for what you are. You start to think, I'm a pretty good guy. Look at, look at all these people. I'm a lot better than that one. I'm a lot better than that one. A lot better than that one. I'm a lot better than that one. Man, that preacher's lucky I'm here. Man, those kids in the classroom are lucky I teach them. They're lucky I'm their teacher. I know a few of the other teachers around here. They're just nothing like me. They're not spiritual like I am. They're not godly like I am. They don't spend the time I spend. You know what's happened to you? Your focus got off yourself and out of the Word of God. See, not that you should ever focus on yourself, but the fact is when you get in the Word of God, God focuses on you. He takes his finger and goes, boom. Brother over here, boom and boom. And he starts to reveal things to you, and you say, man, i got to straighten that out. Oh, man, that attitude stinks. Oh, that's a real problem, what I'm thinking. And, boy, my heart isn't really as tender as I thought it was. And, oh, wow. But the moment you move away from it, you don't see it from God's perspective anymore. You're not being judged from his standard anymore. You're judging yourself based on this standard. And you know what? It's an interesting flaw that we have in our human nature. We always see ourselves better than we are. See, nobody's as big a sinner in their own eyes as other people see them. Well, that's an, I'm not like that because down deep, if you only knew me, you'd know that that's, I just made a mistake. That's just, you know, that's, I'm just having a rough time. Everybody else is going, man, you've been messing up big time. Do you realize what that's going to do to you and your family and your friends and everyone around you? And you're going, yeah, but, but that's not really me. I'm just having a hard time right now. Because in our humanness, we have a tendency to underestimate the gore of our sin and the gore of ourselves. We see ourselves a lot better than we are when we get away from that book. Let me tell you something. You better beware. You need to be careful in your Christian life. The moment you stop being, digging into this book, the moment you stop getting into the mirror and seeing yourself in relationship to God and His Word, comparing yourself to His standard, You'll see everybody else, and you'll go, I'm pretty good. That's a dangerous place to be. Very dangerous. You make bad decisions there. See, this Word of God provides inspection. It helps you to be able to inspect your heart and inspect your attitude and inspect your actions. The reward of the godly. And finally, last, the ruler of the godless. This book here is the ruler of the godless. When I say ruler, I don't mean that it rules over them. What I mean is that it is a ruler. It gauges them. Helps them to understand it. It tells us where man falls and what is going, where, where they're at, spiritually speaking. It's the ruler. Now, in one sense, it will rule over them. Don't misunderstand me. But you'll need, see what I mean here in just a moment. Look at Revelation 20, verse 11. It's the ruler. It's the gauge by which all mankind will be judged. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will stand before God at this particular judgment to be judged. Now, I believe I'll be at this judgment, but I'm not going to be judged at this judgment. 
I believe I'll be standing around. I'll be watching it. I'll be observing it, but I won't be participating in it. Because my sin has been dealt with on Calvary. I died with Jesus Christ. I rose in newness of life. I'm not who I used to be. And I'll never be judged for that sin. And neither will you if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Notice what it says in Revelation 20 verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You want to know this book? This book is the ruler of the godless. He's going to judge every man's works according to this book. Those books, hey, listen, that book of life is one thing. That's where I'm found. But we got some books being opened, and I believe the Word of God's going to be opened, the Word of God. And I believe He's going to be judging the works of mankind against His Word. He's going to say, listen, the Bible says this is a sin, and I see that's in your life. That's a problem. There's an issue there. It's never been addressed, never been dealt with. You're trying to handle it on your own. Jesus was the only way, the truth, and the life. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You neglected Christ. You forsake Christ. You didn't accept Christ. As a result, you have to bear the burden of your own sin. Okay, I cast you. I cast you out of my presence. Because this right here will be the standard by which they're judged. May I say this is a holy standard. Unrighteousness will not pass the test. Sin that has not been addressed on Calvary will never pass the test. Today, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, if today you haven't dealt with your sin, my friend, I'm telling you, there is a merciful, loving God in heaven that wants you to be saved and forgiven, that wants to invite you into the the household of faith, that truly wants you to recognize your sinfulness and understand your need of the salvation of the Lord Jesus. He's crying out to you today. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's begging you to come to Him tonight. He wants you to be part of His family. But you have to be willing To trust Jesus Christ and only Him. This book is the ruler of the godless. God's made a provision for you though. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His ways and the the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. He will have mercy upon him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. Well, God's there today. Hey, listen, we got a wonderful book today. This book called the Word of God, it is the revelation of God. It is the record of the gospel. It is the reward of the godly. And it is the ruler of the godless. God, help us to take this book and literally hold it close to our hearts. May we make it more precious to us than ever. More precious than ever in our lives. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the simplicity of your word. And we ask, Lord, you'd help us to be found faithful to you. And, Lord, may we honor you.